Welcome to Health Matters at Sargent College. The mission of Sargent College is to advance, preserve, disseminate, and apply knowledge in the health and rehabilitation sciences. BU's Sargent College strives to create an environment that fosters critical and innovative thinking to best serve the healthcare needs of society. Each episode of Health Matters at Sargent College will include faculty, students, or alumni who will share their knowledge with you. I'm Karen Jacobs, the Associate Dean of Digital Learning and Innovation at Sargent College, and I'll be your moderator for each episode. Welcome to this episode of Health Matters at BU Sargent College. I am delighted to have our next guest, and her name is Megan Graham. She is a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Speech, Language, and Hearing Sciences at Sargent College. She's also the coordinator of public health school um, placements. And so I've asked Megan to share with us what her area of interest is, and it's autism and specifically with women, but also, you know, the impact that COVID-19 has had on, on some of the clinical placements or public school placements. So Megan, tell us about yourself first, and then let's talk about autism, what it is, and, and your interest in that area. Sure. Thanks, Karen, so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, my interest has been in... Um, pediatric clients with communication impairments for most of my career. I've spent, um, before I came back to BU, I did my training at BU as for my master's and worked out in the field in um, mainly in the private practice and public schools, um, mainly working with pediatrics, but I've always had a special interest in autism. And um, when I opened my own practice as well, I really focused on uh, working with children on the spectrum and specifically working on social skills development and friendship skills. Um, and I love working um, collaboratively with occupational therapists. And that's what a lot of my um, work has been with. Um, and I've just, uh, now that I'm back at BU, I'm teaching an autism course for graduate students. I teach a preschool language course as well. Um, and then I do the public school placements for the graduate students. And um, I've just uh, been doing, trying to develop our clinic, uh, clinical opportunities for students to have more opportunity to work with um, all individuals on the spectrum. We have uh, had preschoolers on the spectrum doing social groups for preschoolers. Um, our preschool intensive program in the summer often has children on the spectrum as well. And we've actually um, added some actually uh, adults in the clinic that I've been working with as well. And um, been lucky enough to have a couple women that I've been working with that has been a really unique and different experience. So um, for our listeners, could you define um, what autism you know we hear that word quite a bit um and what what is that can you help us understand it a little bit more yeah sure um it's a neurodevelopmental disorder which is characterized by deficits in social communication um, social interaction skills and often the presence of restricted and repetitive behaviors um, but i think an easier way and of kind of understanding it is it's more um a different way of being human is the way uh, Barry Prezant describes it, who's a, um, a specialist in autism in our field. Um, 
So there is a, you know, the DSM has, has um, requirements to, to kind of get the diagnosis, which is, again, that social communication piece and also that restricted and repetitive behaviors. So um, they tend to have challenges with um, social reciprocity, nonverbal language, uh, developing and maintaining relationships, um, often really like sameness, but I think it's important to know that if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism, they're in, it's incredibly diverse population. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. And you became particularly interested in women and autism. Is that right? Yeah, I, um, it's, it's kind of happened over the last couple of years. There's been a more interest in the um, literature, um, just, and I've had more opportunity to work with, I was getting more and more referrals of, um, to my own practice and then at BU as well of um, girls with social challenges. And sometimes they would come without a diagnosis and sometimes they would come with a diagnosis, but um, the literature is showing that we're, we're really missing girls. Um, and the more recently when I've worked with the two women that I've worked with, they are exactly what's happening. They get a very late diagnosis of autism. So one of the women I'm working with now um, didn't get diagnosed. She's in her 30s now, didn't get diagnosed till her 20s. Um, and another same in her 20s, didn't get diagnosed till her late teens. So, um, and our literature is just showing that women, women or girls present um, much differently than um, boys with autism do. And um, right now the prevalence is saying that there's, you know, it's four to one for boys to girls. Um, but we're finding out that it's probably closer to two to one if we actually um, improve our diagnostic criteria and um, think more thoughtfully about how, um, how and why we're missing, missing women. Well, that's really interesting um, with that changing um, percentage. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's because um, it, there's a number of things. First, um, it manifests differently. So, um, and I'm talking mainly about, uh, I should be clear that I'm talking mainly about higher functioning um, individuals on the spectrum that have you know, average to above average intelligence. Um, so they present with kind of less restrictive interests. So where boys typically, um, for example, many little boys with autism are really into something specific like trains, for example, where girls with autism may not have those really restrictive interests, or if they do, they are in more typical things that other little girls like, but it's, uh, there's still an intensity to the interest. They're also um, more socially motivated. Um, so they have kind of more of a capacity for friendship. They, they, they can um, memorize scripts really well. They can um, kind of fake it. Um, and they, they tend to play with, you know, play in the same area as girl, as, as, as their peers often. But if you look more closely, they're not often um, really engaging appropriately. Um, they, where boys, their behaviors kind of manifest a little, they externalize their behaviors a little bit more, where you see more hyperactivity, more tantrums, more non-compliance, where more challenges around um, they kind of internalize their emotions. So they kind of have more anxiety. Often we're seeing more depression. Um, it leads to sometimes to eating disorders. Um, it's just, uh, 
uh, we often get more bullying. They often get, if, if it goes undiagnosed, they become kind of victims to abusive relationships. Um, it just, it plays out very differently. And because it's so internalized, it often is missed. So it's uh, really important that we have a better awareness as uh, all medical professionals, of, of course, but are, are in our speech and language field to really uh, that we're catching these, uh, these girls early so that they're getting appropriate interventions. Yeah, and it sounds like this is something for all of us to keep in mind in healthcare. Um, we can help each other, uh, help to um, uh, perhaps bring to the attention some of these signs that you're seeing um, as, as these students or children get older, uh, the, the girls in particular. Exactly, yeah, I've been, um, I recently evaluated a, a young girl who um, was presenting with exactly all the things I talked about and she was really um, losing services at schools because she was you know, doing fine academically in the classroom and appearing like she was doing well with friendships and, and everything else. Yet at home, they were seeing such breakdown in her kind of emotional capacity, her um, behavior. Um, and it's just really critical that she was um, identified and I had to really advocate at the school for her to be getting services that she really needs because we see kind of prognostically what happens with girls like this if they aren't getting the proper interventions and awareness, um, the outlook is not great um, for kind of being functional and having a high quality of life and friendships and work and everything else. So um, it's, it is critical that um, we're working together, um, you know, interprofessionally to really catch these, uh, catch these students. So in speech, um, what, what are you doing? Can you give us an example of uh, some of the interventions that you're, you're doing? Yeah, sure. So um, for women in particular, the women that I'm working with, um, we, it's, it's new for our clinic to be working with uh, women, and I'm hoping to build the program and to create um, more opportunity and hopefully more group experiences and hopefully making it interprofessional because I think it would be uh, quite lovely to have, you know, a combination of speech and social work um, or speech and NOD. Um, there's lots of, um, I think, collaborations that could be really meaningful for um, these women. Um, but we are focusing a lot on, um, you know, social interactions. Um, we're doing lots of uh, practicing of kind of conversation skills, of reading nonverbal language, um, and actually working quite a bit. Um, many uh, individuals with autism often have kind of co-occurring conditions, and for many, um, the executive function is, is a big challenge. So we've been doing a lot of work um, on executive function skills, which would be your kind of organization and planning and prioritizing um, kind of goal-directed behavior. And that obviously has a huge impact on their lives. Um, so we've been doing a lot uh, working on individually what they need to be functional. So for one, we're working a lot on kind of scheduling of their day, um, all kind of daily living um, experiences that they need. We're working on, working on those pieces. Um, um, and uh, really just trying to really individualize with what they need to have a more kind of fulfilling social life has really been the, the most recent goals. Great. Thank you so much. Now with um, the pandemic, have yeah. you seen um, an impact on the, the students that you've been working with or, or in general, 
um, have you seen an impact? Yeah, it's a really good question. So I, I, the kiddos that I've been working with on the spectrum, I've, I've seen um, a real challenge for them. If you, if we think back to what I mentioned earlier about their kind of need for sameness and um, consistency, this is incredibly inconsistent and all the, the structure that they're used to and the support and community that they're used to is really no longer there. So it's, I, I see it being, um, you know, increasing in kind of anxiety for some of these kiddos um, and, and for their families as well. I, I, it's obviously a hardship to have kids at home in general and having to support their education and their well-being all day and all night, um, but now also to, to lose those, you know, support. Some of the kids I work with get a lot of services at their public schools, um, and then they also get a lot of services privately and kind of moving to that telemodel for, um, for maybe for school and for private practice or wherever else they're doing is, is definitely different and hard and puts a lot of pressure on the families as well. So um, I um, really feel for families and I feel like there's um, more, it's even more important for us as professionals to really focus on that uh, parent coaching model and supporting families um, to really help coach them with uh, ways to help make this time um, not necessarily productive, but at least um, manageable and um, kind of helping their emotional well-being more so than working on their speech and language skills individually. And where that those are those are really good points. Um, we're all just managing, you know, this kind of uncertainty and yeah. um, those are great strategies. So um, you have another role. We're going to transition as coordinator of, of, of the public school placement. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about that and, and what happens there? Because that's so interesting. Yeah, so for um, our graduate students, they, they need um, a clinical placement within a public school as part of our program. So um, I'm reaching out currently now to the fall uh, to, to therapists in the field and the public schools in our area trying to place students. And um, some of the districts that I've been talking to already have kind of telepractice in place and are, you know, trying to meet the needs of the kids on their or the students on their caseloads through telepractice. Um, and they're open to having students participate with them, graduate students to kind of help um, provide the intervention through telehealth. Um, and others are, are not doing that yet and they're not really um, set up yet for kind of having their platform in place. And, um, and there's, also, there's so much unknown for what um, the schools themselves are gonna look like in the fall. Are we going to be in person? Or is it gonna be a hybrid model? Are we gonna have smaller classrooms? And um, it's, it's just really so unknown for what that's gonna look like for clinical education, because I think we have a willingness of supervisors willing to take students, but they're just not sure um, what the, how that's gonna play out. So I'm hoping that we are all just gonna be incredibly flexible and creative like we always are and trying to make um, their experiences as uh, positive and productive and um, as productive as possible, really. Yeah, you know, it's so unpredictable. So I have one last question. Sure. What, what um, motivated you to go into this career that you're in? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd ask you that. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I was so lucky to kind of fall into it in college, um, but it really speaks to what I care about. I think communication is fundamental to everything. <laughs> it's our relationships, and I feel so lucky that I get to work with um, 
kids and adults and families and trying to help them be better communicators. Um, and it's just really a gift. And I feel very lucky that I love what I do. And now I get to help graduate students learn how to do this awesome career too. Well, thank you for being on Health Matters. And um, you're an awesome uh, person. And I'm so glad that you're <laughs> part of the Sargent College faculty. And this was so interesting. If people want to learn more about what you're doing, is there an email or um, a website link that they can find out more? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy to share my email um, right now with you. It's um, M-G-G-R-A-H-A-M. So mggram at bu.edu. I would love any interest that they have um, in, you know, autism or child, child, uh, child language, um, and especially girls with autism. I'm really interested in trying to um, build our program at BU. So thank you for the opportunity, Karen. It was a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. And everyone who's listening, thank you for listening to Health Matters at BU Sergeant College.